I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Susan Moran. This is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2012. Coming up, we hear about a book called Logicomics, featuring one of the world's leaders on computational complexity theory and an interviewer who is 10 years old. Why did the publishers refuse to print the Principilla Mathematica? That was a really low point in the story, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, very humiliating. I mean, it's, uh, you can imagine. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science. Need another excuse to pry your kids away from video games and boot them outside? A new report suggests that brains and brawn needn't fight each other. In fact, they may be inseparable. In what may seem a no-brainer, the new report says that physical activities may improve children's academic performance. So, if you want your kids to boost their test scores, make them work for a while outside and sweat. The report is a systematic review of previous studies. The researchers reviewed evidence about the link between exercise and academic performance because of concerns that pressure to raise kids' test scores may often mean that time for recess and PE gets sacrificed. The authors reviewed 14 studies, 12 of which were conducted in the U.S. They examined kids between age 6 and 18 over several years. The researchers said they found strong evidence of a significant positive relationship between physical activity and academic performance. So what exactly does exercise do to your brain? According to the report, physical activity may help cognition by increasing blood and oxygen flow to the brain. That increases levels of norepinephrine and endorphins, and those, in turn, lower your stress and lift your mood. They also increase growth factors that help create nerve cells and support synaptic plasticity, which is a good thing. The new report was published in the January issue of Archives of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine. The moon can be a lonely place. So, if you visit, it's a good idea to bring along a friend. NASA's GRAIL mission to the moon is all about friends working together. In this case, to peer deep into the interior of the moon using gravity as a way of seeing. Like twins separated at birth, GRAIL actually consists of two spacecrafts that were launched together, but took slightly different paths on the way to the moon. And just a few days ago, they were reunited as they both entered orbit around the moon. GRAIL stands for Gravity, Recovery, and Interior Laboratory. The spacecraft are each about the size of a washing machine, and as they fly over areas of greater and lesser gravity, caused not only by visible features such as mountains and craters, but also by mass concentrations and variations of density hidden deep below the lunar surface, the spacecraft will move slightly toward and away from each other. An instrument aboard each spacecraft will measure the changes in their relative velocity very precisely using radio links between the spacecraft. They can measure the separation of the spacecraft down to a few microns, the size of a red blood cell. Scientists will translate this information into a high-resolution map of the moon's gravitational field. This gravity measuring technique is essentially the same as that of the Gravity Recovery and Climate Experiment, or GRACE, which has been mapping Earth's gravity since 2002. Each spacecraft also carries a small camera called GRAIL Moon Cam that will involve middle school students around the country. Thousands of 5th to 8th grade students will select 
target areas on the lunar surface and send requests to GRAIL MoonCam Mission Operations Center, and the images are sent back for the students to study. The MoonCam program is led by Sally Ride, America's first woman in space. The two GRAIL spacecraft currently have the very clever names GRAIL A and GRAIL B. However, there was a contest for students to give new names to the spacecraft, which will be announced in a few days. You can find out more about the GRAIL mission at nasa.gov GRAIL. And speaking of school and students, if you've never had the time or money for medical school, you can get a taste of it for free in an eight-week mini-med school starting next Wednesday in Denver. For over 20 years, Denver's Anschutz Medical Campus has offered a basic mini-med program about medical science. In the new program, students will learn what doctors face when working with real patients. John Cohen, Minimed's founder, says the new, the new session, called Minimed, the Clinical Years, will feature top-notch doctors who are also compelling teachers. We demystify it, and I thought, well, we better have really good teachers who can talk to non-experts without talking down to them, who can translate things like the Southern blot into a comprehensible uh, model, either with an analogy or a great picture or something like that, without making it dumb. And uh, that's very important to me too. The new mini-med school will cover childhood development and links between pneumonia and smoking, kidney disease and high blood pressure, diabetes and obesity and more. It starts January 11th and will run for eight Wednesday nights, 7 to 8.30. You can find out more by searching Mini-Med School Denver. You're tuned to How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Joel Parker. Up next, is it possible to teach kids about science or math with a comic book? And not your regular superhero comic book. In this case, a graphic novel about things like set theory and the dawning of computer science. To find out, let's listen in to a story about logic comics. I'm Shelley Schlender. This is a story about how telling more stories might encourage more children to get excited about math and science. It begins when a book arrived at KGNU titled Logicomics, an epic search for truth, with a request for us to interview the author on our science show. Logicomics, though, did not look like a science book. It seemed more like a Tintin adventure. You know, the comic books about a boy named Tintin, his little dog Snowy, and Captain Haddock, who likes to yell blistering barnacles. Logicomic looked so unlike a science book, I decided to check it out with some experts on Tintin books. They're ten-year-old twins named Nora and Lee. I was going to ask them to read Logic Comics, then tell me what they think. It turns out that Nora and Lee already had read it two years ago when they were eight. And Nora's favorite quote from Logic Comics sounded, well, it sounded scientific. Contrary-wise, if it was so, it might be. And if it were so, it would be. But as it isn't, it ain't. That's logic. The last bit Nora said is, as something isn't, it ain't. That's logic, and that is a scientific way to look at things. Nora's a bit hard to hear right there because her dad is busy setting up a way to record on his computer. We'll explain why in a minute, but first, here's 10-year-old Lee's choice from that cartoon book, Logicomics. I'll tell you my favorite quote in the book. You said yes to your every minute till now! 
after Lee said, what possessed you until now? Lee's dad asked him to elaborate. Alfred North Whitehead, because he and Russell had a falling out. It turned out that Lee was referring to a full-page spread in Logic Comics of two men yelling at each other, along with cartoon bubble narration that indicates one of those guys is a 20th century mathematician named Whitehead, and the other guy is someone named Bertie. Bertie, it turns out, was another mathematician. In fact, he was a famous math logician. His full name was Bertrand Russell. Here's Russell in a 1959 BBC interview about what he would like future generations to know. Never let yourself be diverted, either by what you wish to believe or by what you think could have beneficent social effects if it were believed. But look only and solely at what are the facts. In 1950, Russell had won a Nobel Prize for literature. By 1959, he seemed a gentle, grandfatherly guy, and his writing was often political, inspiring, and popular. Logic Comics spans six decades of Russell's life, including an earlier time when he and Whitehead were writing Principia Mathematica. Legend has it that the first 100 pages of the Principia are devoted to proving that 1 plus 1 does indeed equal 2. From reading Logic Comics, Nora agreed with her brother that writing all that made Whitehead and Russell cranky. They've been working so hard and Russell's been re-examining the basics of everything they know and trying to prove it even though it's already been proved a million times. And Whitehead's just so mad that he hasn't given any care to Eric since he could barely count to three. Eric, by the way, was Whitehead's son and it troubled Nora to read how Whitehead neglected him. As you can see, Nora and Lee really do know a lot about Logic Comics, whose topic is science and the lives of scientists. So, we accepted the invitation from Logic Comics to interview one of their authors on the KGNU Science Show, with a twist. We asked if the twins could do the interview. One of the authors said yes. His name is Christos Papadimitriou, and as we checked him out, we learned that among academics, he's famous for his textbook on computational complexity. Christos is one of the world's great leaders in math and computer science. Since Nora and Lee live in St. Paul and Christos teaches at UC Berkeley, we arranged to do the interview on computer via Skype with the help of Nora and Lee's dad. Before it began, the big question for the 10-year-olds was, should Nora and Lee conduct the interview together? I think one at a time would work best. Yes, me first and then Nora next. Are you okay with that, Nora? Yep, I'm fine. <laughs> I think he's ready. Okay, so Nora's first. No, Lee. No, All right, Lee's first. Nora, don't get nervous. Where's my notes? Uh, I'll hand you. Suddenly, the computer displayed the grinning, black-bearded face of Christos Papa Dimitriou. Hello. Hello. Hi. My name is Eamon Lee Born Turner. Sorry, you have to spell it for me. Lee. L E. Christos was born and raised in Greece. English is not his native language. Lee is 10 years old. Greek accents are not what he's familiar with. So there was a little getting acquainted they had to do. I have some questions. I'm sure you do. Why did Bertie have the revelation that he was a logician in the hat shop? Where did he have the revelation that he was a logician in the? Hat shop. Oh, in the hat shop. Of course, of course, of course. Um... 
Well, have you read Alice in Wonderland? I have read Alice in Wonderland. You know about the Mad Hatter, then? Christos told Lee that in Logic Comics, they depicted Russell realizing that he's a logician in a hat shop as an homage to the Mad Hatter. After all, in those days, madness was far too common among mathematical logicians and in the families of logicians. That included in the extended family of Bertie, that is, of Bertrand Russell. Russell had a sad and lonely childhood with sometimes terrible parenting. Russell found comfort against that sadness by studying logic and geometry, and these later became his career. All this is in Logic Comics, and some of it had worried Lee, who took a big breath and asked Christos this. So anyway, I've heard that his family had a manifestation of mental illness. Mm Mm-hmm. And it came in his uncle. Exactly. Yep. And, And this memory of his uncle haunted him throughout his life. Oh. He was afraid that he was going that way. That's an interesting fact about Bertie's life. And he, he didn't. Oh. But unfortunately, his son did, which is, which is tragic also. Mm-hmm. They talk some more about how some of the people in the book were better mathematicians than they were parents. You can be a very clever man and uh, not understand how even the people you love most feel. Yep. Lee had used a lot of courage to ask these questions, so the next thing he said was this. Anyway, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Lee's dad knows Lee well enough to know that when he says goodbye, he means it. He might be done. But Christos wanted to talk some more with Lee. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Uh, are you, do, you, do you like math at school? Yeah, I like math. I do subtraction. Wow, you are in subtraction now. What, what grade are you? Fifth. I'm very, really curious that the book attracted your attention so much. What was the reason, you think? I know you are doing the interview, not me, but I thought I should ask you this question. I like the paradox the best. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, Logic Comics is all done with Tintin-like drawings and cartoon balloons, but it's full of stuff like Russell's Paradox, which is one of the earliest mathematical explanations of why a set of things cannot reference itself. In Logic Comics, the paradox goes like this. What if a village decrees that the barber shaves only those people in town who do not shave themselves? But then, who shaves the barber? about a village with a strict law on shaving that every male has to shave daily but for the ones who don't shave there's a barber and a man of a higher rank can be shaved by the man of a lower rank can be shaved by the man of a lower rank can be shaved by the man of a lower rank which gets a bunch of hairy low rank guys right and I think that it's just funny thank you that's, that, that's actually a great compliment thank you you're welcome I mean after that, the conversation between Lee and the world-renowned complexity theorist Christos Papadimitriou delved even further into Logic Comics. Why did Bertie have a dream that he would wreck the foundations of mathematics? Christos replied that while the English logician Bertrand Russell worried about wrecking the foundations of mathematics, another younger logician ultimately did by challenging the popular concepts in the early 1900s that assumed that math would provide definite answers for everything. This youngster Gödel in Vienna, he did wreck the foundations of mathematics. Interesting. Thank you. Why did the publishers refuse to print the Principilla Mathematica? That was a really low point in the story, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, 
very humiliating. I mean, it's, uh, you can imagine. They talked about how the Principia was so complicated. At first, Whitehead and Russell couldn't find anyone to read it, not even for pay. That's an interesting fact. Anyway, what inspired you to write this book? Christos explained that the ideas that Bertrand Russell pushed ahead in the Principia Mathematica laid the foundations for people like Gödel to make further contributions for what's near and dear to Christos's heart, computers and computer science. All my life I admire these people. It's always fascinating to me when um, uh, somebody dedicates their life to do something hard that nobody else have dared uh, try before. You know, these people that we wrote about were legends. We were very attracted to the story, but also we sort of try to explain in the dawning of the computer era, you know, because uh, out of this investigation, failed as it was, the computer started 10 years after uh, the end of the action in Logicomics. The computer came out of uh, the ashes of the Second World War. Anyway, I myself think that the end is kind of weird, the part about the play called The Orchestra. Lee was correct that Logic Comics ends with a classic Greek play about how a young man who tries to obey the gods gets caught in a double bind and is tormented by howling goddesses called the Furies. The play shows the transformation of madness and fury into wisdom. That happens to be what Bertrand Russell strived for throughout his life, and that's an interesting layer of Logic Comics, the side of teaching about character of people and how to treat people and how to turn things like sadness and worry and rage into something marvelous. However, that Greek play that Lee called the orchestra actually has a different name. Orestia. Yes, it is a little weird, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's a fascinating story. Yep. Maybe one day you, you read it all. It's not a big play. Yep. Oh, your turn. Anyway, I'm turning over the narration to my sister, Nora Elizabeth Byrne Turner. Thank you. You're welcome. Nora. Um, yes. Hi. Nice to meet Hello, you. Hello, Nora. Um, it's nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Yep. What happened to Russell's friend Moore? He just disappeared and reappears. What happens to him in the time he's disappeared? He, be he became a very important mathematician, philosopher, logician. So he, yeah, except that we didn't find meaningful ways to engage him further in the, in the story. Okay. You liked especially more? Yeah, seems like a pretty nice guy. Christos and Nora talked a long while about the people Bertrand met in real life or in his writings or in his conversations with other scientists. Then finally, Nora shrugged her shoulders. I'm out of questions. You had a lot of questions. You beautiful questions. As for why a great computational complexity expert such as Christos Papadimitriou enjoyed being interviewed by 10-year-olds, later he talked about it with a young physicist named Amory. Ah. Amory is the older cousin of Nora and Lee. You talked with Eamon Lee Turner and his twin sister Nora. Were you surprised that kids that young had been reading your book? I was stunned by how well and deeply they understood what was written. But also I was occasionally surprised with the creative, the new, unfaithful ways in which they, they, they interpreted you know, both of them. 
Christos added that these days, educators do most of their teaching with textbooks such as his famous computational complexity. He's well known for that, but he spent eight years creating Logic Comics because he thinks stories matter too. Unfortunately, we don't use uh, stories. Universities and schools and so on is a rather recent experiment. What, a thousand years old? Before that, all information was communicated through stories. Some kids are looking for heroes that match them. Little boys that are good at sports like sports stars. But kids that are more attractive to, say, math, you don't find a lot of heroes. Was that part of your... Yes. I hope to plant the seed in some young person's mind that it is possible to choose intellectual quests bigger than yourselves. So just want to show them there's a universe where people don't you know, forget this little incremental game. They uh, confront basic important problems and change the world. So I assume you haven't read Principia Mathematica. Is it... I have lived through it many times. Uh -huh. <laughs> Principia Mathematica is, is the work of, of obsessed men. It is a monument. Look at it not as mathematical information, but, but as evidence of something historic. Back in St. Paul, before the 10-year-olds had signed off with Christos, their dad mentioned an idea that Nora got from a little drawing on page 92 of Logic Comics that seemed to indicate that A plus A can sometimes equal A. Did you tell me that Nora solved this equation, A plus A equals zero, A equals A? Well, she was mentioning it in the car, and she said it was a really neat idea. It was out of the blue, and uh, I was impressed to hear her uh, speak that. I, I'm very impressed to hear that, too. As for why Leonora decided to read Logic Comics when they were eight years old, Lee explained that they were drawn to the pictures and the dialogue. It looked like a Tintin or an Asterix book, but I didn't know of its strong mathematical content <laughs> until after, until a few hours later. It bombarded, it bombarded me with mathematics and turned me into the Hulk of mathematics. <laughs> when Lee said that Logic Comics turned him into the Hulk of mathematics, Christos Papadimitriou gave this reply. Yeah, it, it's a sneaky book, yes. It, it, uh, it starts with as a story and ends up as a math book. When I was writing this book, uh -huh. My dream was that somebody like you would read it. Uh -huh. I'm really delighted that you, that you have. Yes, um, thank you. And that's the end of this story. Except perhaps for a reminder of an issue that's big, at least among educators. Right now, U.S. children are falling behind many parts of the world in math and science. To get them back on board, there are textbooks, there are computer games, and standardized tests. What about a few more sneaky stories that inspire children to start a quest? Maybe a quest about math? Maybe a quest about science? For How on Earth, I'm Shelley Schlender. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Bye-bye, Nora. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That book is Logic Comics, an epic search for truth. Thanks to Shelley, Christos, Papa Dimitriou, Nora, Lee, and their dad, and Amory for helping with that report. Whoa.
that's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Shelley Schlender. This week's show producer was also Shelley and was engineered by Tom McKinnon. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music was from Nobukazu Takemoru. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and to subscribe to our podcast. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Susan Moran. And I'm Joel Parker.